I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. August is here, and that means the season is more than halfway done. We're in the midst of a historic WNBA season with so many crazy storylines going on. So let's dive in and discuss. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider that's patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget you can see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking for a fun way to enjoy the w join our windsider playbacks they're amazingly fun w watch parties Use the link playback.tv forward slash Winsider. That's playback.tv forward slash Winsider. And we have a lot of fun on them, so I hope to see you there. Welcome back to the Winsider Show. I'm ecstatic to finally get Rachel back in the booth. Uh, she's been growing the game from, from the grassroots up. Uh, I'm honored to be joined by my co-host, Hall of Famer, Rachel Galligan. How you doing, Rachel? I'm great. Happy to be in the booth, as you said. If you don't, if you can't tell, Rachel hates when I hype her up like that. Um, Let's dive right into it because we haven't chatted on the pod in a while. Some craziness has been going on. Um, I'm going to go off. We like when we do this show, right? We write out our notes, whatever. I'm going off script for a little bit. I'm reshuffling the script because as I'm looking through the talking points for this episode, I noticed that one of them just stands out. One of them got me some heat on social media, um, but I'm not leaving the kitchen, so bring the heat. Let's go. Alyssa Thomas, triple-double machine. She now has, what, eight career triple-doubles, five this season or four this season? Four this season. We're going back and forth arguing about this. I think they took away a a rebound in one. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) But here's my thing. I completely understand. And 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 this is just like let's let's cut to the chase. I had a tweet saying I don't think necessarily Alyssa Thomas is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, but considering the individual achievements, the individual accolades and the stats she's putting up, I think she deserves to be in the conversation. In the same sense of and I'm not saying the conversation of the greatest of all time, she's better than Tamika, she's better. No, but like there's a level of play When you are doing things that nobody else in the history of the league has ever done in a positive way, um, I think at a certain point you need to be entered into that conversation. And like I saw a lot of people pushing back and maybe you'll push back, Rachel, and say, well, she hasn't won any championships. And without championships or first team all this or second team all that, it's hard to be in that convo. I respect that. I understand where you're coming from on that. But my argument is, you know, and and maybe this isn't the right argument necessarily for Alyssa Thomas because she's been on some stacked teams. But the argument, I think, is those are team awards. A championship is a team award. Now, no one else is doing the Tamika catchings and carrying a team to a championship and just defeating monsters. Um, but what Alyssa Thomas is doing as an individual is something we've never seen in this league before. And I think she needs to at least be in the discussion. I don't, I kind of similar to like, 
when we talk about Nafisa in the MVP discussion this year, things like that, where it's like, okay, yeah, you're not going to win it, but like what you've done deserves conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at it. I think for me, just being able to appreciate individual type performances um, and, and understanding like this is kind of unprecedented in terms of what Thomas is doing and the rate that she's been able to do it at specifically this season. I mean, it's groundbreaking in terms of just we haven't really seen this before. And I think you have to give credit to the Connecticut Sun, Steph White, you know, just being able to put her in these situations where she's thriving on every aspect of the game. And I, I mean, yeah, like I, I don't think that it's being talked about enough. I think that, you know, yes. On the, but then on the flip side, I agree. I will push back on like the championship. It, it, it depends on what you're talking about. Are we talking about great individual performance performing seasons or are we talking about just overall greatness, I think that there's room to be talked about in both categories. But yeah, I mean, I think being able to have a championship on her belt would propel her drastically in those types of conversations. But for me, I'm focused more on the individual performance, you know, just soaking it in every single day and making sure that her name is up there in the conversation with mm-hmm. the NBA because I really do believe she should be. Now, is it at the rate of scoring, you know, like a Brianna Stewart or an Asia Wilson, no. But they're not doing what she's doing on on three other ends of the floor in terms of at that rate. And so I do think, you know, you're 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 with the Connecticut Sun. They're 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 right up there in the standings. I mean, they're even with even with you know Bree Jones going out, this team is up there every every single night, night in and night out, competing for a championship. I mean, who knows what's going to end up happening late into the season. Um, but the, the overall success of Connecticut this year, I mean, definitely warrants Alyssa Thomas and the, the season she's having being in that MVP conversation. Do I think she's the MVP? Me personally, as of right now, no, that would not be my vote. But she definitely should be in that conversation more often. Let me just drop a little stat for you. I was looking for this. I found it. it. In the first 25 seasons of the WNBA, there was nine triple doubles. Twenty. Five seasons. Alyssa Thomas has eight career double triple doubles. Okay. So, and and this was my pushback. Again, I think there's a difference of like when we're talking about career accolades to climb that mountain. I completely understand, right? Like you need championships, MVPs, finals MVPs. Those are all things that go into it. But if we just think about it in this way, Alyssa Thomas has eight, right? eight triple doubles in her career. That's just as many games as some of these championship players playoff runs were right. So we're talking about these accolades of a championship player and, and how that elevates them to the conversation of greatest all time, because they zoned in for eight games in the playoffs and they came away with the championship, obviously hugely in part to their teammates. Alyssa Thomas is doing that also. So I think, like it, it matters when and where, yes, but just to to keep that in mind. So sorry, the first 25 seasons, nine triple doubles in the last two seasons, 13. The growth of the W is just magnificent and amazing. Um, we can talk about the MVP race in discussion. I agree with you. I think it's a three horse race. It's uh, Stewie, it's Asia, and it's Alyssa Thomas. And I think there's a good argument to be made for both of them or all three of them. Sorry. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. I want to talk about my hometown team because, um, 
I mean, three in a row, two versus top three teams. They knock off New York. They knock off Connecticut. We're going to see them play Connecticut again. We're recording this on Tuesday, uh, expecting the episode to run at some point tomorrow on, on, on Wednesday. But just, I mean, and, and keep in mind, Rachel, this is without Nafis Collier, their best player, a player who is in MVP discussion. They found ways to win. Uh, your SOD, Steal of the Draft, Dorga Juhas, has just been tearing it up, a friend of the pod. Uh, another friend of the pod and maybe film room, uh, Kayla McBride has just been going off. I want to talk about this real quick because Kayla McBride, a player who struggled early on in this season. Let's take a quick little look back at her last five games. Versus LA, a victory that they won by three on the 20th. She plays 29 minutes, is 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 competing and, and helping the team out with five rebounds, three assists, and two steals, and just one turnover, but doesn't make a single shot that game, okay, in 29 minutes. The next game, she scores 10 with three rebounds and three steals. The next game against Washington, this is a win. They lost to Vegas in that 10-point performance. Against Washington, 15-3-2-3, and shooting 50%. But it's these next two games against the top two teams, in, or top two of three teams in the league. New York, she drops a staggering 26 points, five rebounds, four assists shooting 78.6% from the field and 57.1% from three-point, Rachel. In the next game against Connecticut, one of the best defensive teams in this league, she scores 19 points, three assists, still shoots 70% from the field and 57.1% again from three-point range. Just like, I'm sorry, to shoot 57.1% from three point in back to back games is insane. I love it. 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 And, um, it's fun to see her thriving, you know, and I think the thing I love the most about Minnesota and, and I mean, this is a team that, you know, I don't have favorites, but historically is not a favorite of mine, (laughs) Um, but I, am really loving watching this team. I mean, even before fee went out, you know, this team was really coming together. I want to, I want to bring up a stat real quick about Dorka. Um, this team is 13 and seven with Dorka in the starting lineup. They're zero and six when she's not on the starting lineup. That's a wild stat. They have yet to win a game this season yeah. when Dorka's Rachel, I hope you tweet that out. That is a wild, wild stat. It's, 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 it's insane. And, and honestly, since the all-star break is averaging um, a double, double, at right right at about 10 points and just under 10 rebounds per game. So, I mean, Dorka, I mean, it's fun to see teams hit their stride. It's fun to see teams that we didn't quite necessarily expect to hit their stride, especially when you've got an MVP caliber player. Hopefully she's not out too long. I really loved watching her play, but it's been really fun to see this team kind of by committee step up and elevate their play across the board. Shepard, honestly really impressed with Shepard and how she's been able to be out for a month or however long it was, six weeks, come back in and seamlessly start impacting the game she has. McBride has been incredibly efficient, playing some of the most efficient basketball of her career this last week, which is awesome to see. And Dorka, you know, doing some phenomenal things. So, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, Minnesota is just, they're just playing well. They're playing well. They look like they're really cohesive on the floor. They're connected. And I mean, Here's my question. When is Fee expected to return? Do we have a timeline on that? We So, <laughs> we're breaking up injury timelines, Rachel. Are you trying to get me in trouble? 
Um, <laughs> so fee uh, was initially ruled seven to ten days, expected seven to ten days. It's funny because I and you know I'm not going to say I am the voice for the Lynx fan on national public podcasts. Um, but I'm getting these texts when fee goes down, I'm getting these text messages. They're like, Oh crap. There it goes. Like, uh, and, and I'm getting in discussions with WNBA links fans, like hardcore links fans. Like, is it better for this team to just kind of sit fee? Yes. She's having a historic season. She's growing. She's playing amazing, but we know that she's taken that growth. And it's almost like if this team continues now, it's going to be hard for them to miss the playoffs with how good they're playing right now. Um, and how bad some of these other teams are playing, but there's almost that like mindset of should they just, you know, sit her down, let her rest, let her fully get back. We don't need to rush her back. Anything like that. Um, I think there's a discussion to be made of that, but Hey, if the team's going to go two and O against two of the top three teams, uh, Without their best player, I think maybe the writing's on the wall that you don't, you're not tanking. The, or like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not getting a good draft pick this year, Minnesota. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's another. I, I, I keep starting to slowly bring it up, especially now that we're past the All Star break. But the race for the lottery is, you know, it's taboo to talk about that, of course. But that's something I'm paying attention to these well, next weeks. Something I'm paying attention to is, I mean, all right, I'll, I'll say this BG. Take all the time you need. You Please. want to sit out a few yes. games? Yes. Cool. Do it. This has been a rough season. The season's not going as expected. I think there is... I've seen some people push back, and I think it's ridiculous. Because, first of all, we don't know how trauma rears its ugly head on anybody. Um, we only know to the extent that our, we're aware of it, how it rears its ugly head on ourselves. Um, also, the season's not going as expected. Here's the crazy part from a macro um WNBA view in this offseason in a three-team trade the phoenix mercury gave away a 2025 pick to new york now that's concerning only because in the sense of phoenix like a lot of people were looking at some of these teams like oh if you struggle this season if you make the lottery this season it's not the worst thing in the world because some really good players are coming through the draft in the next two years phoenix is kind of unless they're going to make some move this offseason and get back some draft picks phoenix has kind of tied their hands behind their back and put new york in a really great position for long-term success um it was a 2025 pick not 2024 correct yes okay. yes which is even crazier but whatever. Um, but so it's, it's just a very interesting kind of Phoenix is just in a position of so many question marks, so much, you know, who knows what's going on there. But look, as we've talked about in past episodes, they've cleaned house and they're looking forward. A team that, you know, we were just talking about Minnesota, Rachel, and how historically hasn't been a team that you, uh, the blood in your veins roots for. but. There is a team that, you know, due to proximity of your youth, due to proximity of your uh, older ages, you're not old yet. Indiana Fever, a team, a team close to your heart, Rachel, a team that has really, really struggled since the Melissa Smith injury. And I, I've been a huge fan of Leah Boston. She's done some amazing things. I mean, we're talking about multiple like 
when she doesn't score, you know, 15 or more, it's kind of like, a, oh, let's take note what's going on in this game. And that's a great sign for a rookie, right? Of recent, since the injury, there has been some struggle. And I, personally, I think it's because Aaliyah Boston is great, but a lot of it has to do with the team around her and working with the players around her and the importance of that. I'm curious for you, like, right now, they're on a real bad skid. Just a real bad skid. Let's see. Two, four, six, eight, ten. They've won one in the last more than 11 games. In the last 14 games, 16 games, they've won two games. That's that's a real big struggle. And not putting this on Leah Boston, I think it's it's a unified team effort. Leah Boston's still putting up some great stats. What's going on with Indiana? Um, what's your thoughts on this team that's just really, really struggling to string together some wins? I mean, they just have one back-to-back win on the season. Yeah. I mean, well, there's also been a handful of, of losses that have come within single digits. I think it was, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, it was like seven or eight of them, you know, have been, like, they're in, they're in games. Um, I think... Man, I don't know. I'm trying to look at real quick. Of course, the WNBA site doesn't just show me back-to-back games anymore like it used to. You know, I do think that there's an element of, all right, when a Boston Boston jumps into the league, there wasn't a lot of scouting report. You know, there wasn't a lot of um, familiarity in terms of, of, of how to guard her, um, how to defend her. And I think what you're seeing a little bit now is teams playing against her for a second, third time or after the all-star break, there's more of a scouting report. There's more of an ability to game plan against Boston and keep the ball out of her hands because you've got another huge weapon on Indiana, which isn't talked about enough and how much she brings to this team in the list of Smith. And so with Smith being out of the equation, you know, it does. It doesn't feel like a two-headed or a three-headed monster anymore. Not that I would call Indiana a monster of any capacity, but when we're talking about shot selection and game planning and scouting and opponents being able to strategize against the fever, one, I think there's more of a sample size and more of experience against what to do against Boston and how to keep her off the glass, how to keep her uncomfortable. Um, those tendencies now are a little more well known. And that's just basketball. That's basketball scouting 101. But then you take out Melissa Smith, who helps open the floor up for Boston, who is another offensive threat, you know, a different offensive threat, a different rebounding threat. Someone else Huge on the rebounding team, threat. team that just, you know, you, you can't really, you know, you, you, you have to be very much aware of. Melissa Smith can go off and she can stretch the floor and she does things very differently than Aaliyah Boston. But when she's not in the game, they're easier to play against. They're easier to scout. They're easier to defend. And so, I mean, you can even take a look at some of the numbers. I mean, if you were to compare, and maybe I'll do this, uh, and, you know, look at Boston's numbers the first 10 games of the season versus the last 10 games of the season. I think, you know, it's much harder for Boston now. And I think it's much, much harder for Boston now, again, with Smith out of the game. So this isn't me. I mean, Aaliyah Boston's great. She's had a phenomenal year. She's obviously, in my opinion, the front runner rookie of the year. But I think with the fever, man, they, it, it really does go to show you um, this team doesn't have a lot of room for error in terms of injuries of their key players. Because when, when one goes out, 
you really start to see you have some good pieces. You have pieces that play well together, but you know, they're losing games by one, by seven, by two, you know, like they did. They imagine if you had, you were at hundred percent strength and, and, you know, some of those eight or seven single digit losses now, or maybe just four, and you've got three more wins in that column, then that team is probably where we would expect them to be. Right. I mean, I don't expect them to be in contention. I don't even necessarily expect them to be in the upper middle portion, but I expected them to hopefully be in the lower middle portion. And they're just right around two or three game, two or three wins from that. And to me, that's the difference. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. I mean, I will push back a little bit because I'd love to disagree with you and say they were losing close games when they were full strength also. But I think also an element of growth, right? Like this is Leah in the same sense of teams are going to game plan differently for her after they've played her. Indiana Fever also know each other better after they've played those games. So I, like I expect growth throughout the season um, and it's, to support what you're saying. It's and wild I to think that they only had one win in July. Rachel, there is some wild, wild stuff that we could talk about. The Indiana fever and just like the lack of wins, the yeah. whatever. And I and I will say, yes, Leah Boston is far in between the front runner for the rookie of yes. the year. That said, we have more than a quarter of the season to go, right? We're in the second half of the season. This is not a clear, you know closed book this is not a Aaliyah boston can't lose it i mean you look but back you over have to, you have got to pay attention to diamond miller that's for damn you got to pay attention to diamond miller argue about dorka Yuhas. i don't think necessarily she's putting in like the showiest of numbers but she's getting multiple double doubles i mean she's she uh, look at the stats that you were talking about the victories that they're getting from her um but I do think it is interesting to to see, like, look, we we talk about when um, All-Star break was and coming back from that and the performances we've seen from Aaliyah Boston since then. Um, and it's been 11 points, 6 points, 9 points, 12 points, 14 points, not a single double-double, um, a couple games where she's stuffing the stat sheets in other ways. But something that I will say I have liked to a degree is it looks like she's calming down on the foul trouble, which I think is an important aspect of her game. It's adjusting to and how that, the yeah. refs are calling it. Yep, and that we talked about that early on in the season. Like that was going to be something that was going to be a major learning curve. It is for any rookie. I'm on top of the the mountain of learning curves that they have to overcome. You know, being able to play the game without fouling, I have seen a big difference in that, which is awesome. But now you're seeing, you know, like the ne- the next natural progression is teams are more familiar with you. Teams you know, are going to do things before the ball comes into the post, get the ball out of your hands. Teams are going to be hyper-focused on positioning and keeping you out of your, getting you out of your spots. I mean, that's a part of this league constantly film is being watched. Scouts are being put together to, you know, be more prepared when you face someone a second, third, potentially fourth time and, and make their life a little more difficult. Yeah. Moving on to a player who is entered herself into the most improved player conversation, Jordan Canada. Just, I mean, Rachel, you were tweeting out some stats on her the other day. It was ridiculous. Um, a player who, like, look, comes into Seattle, wins a couple champions, two, I believe, championships, um, sitting behind Sue Bird, a defensive specialist, a player who moved on from Seattle um, and when moved on to L.A., 
you know, we looked at it and we said, okay, more of the same, like not an elite scorer, not really able to force defenses to stay true to her um, when she has the ball beyond the arc. And honestly, on offense, she was more of a facilitator. But we've seen growth. Talk to me about Jordan Canna and just, you know, uh, and uh, you know, honestly, like a huge bright spot for the LA Sparks this season. Yeah, I mean, we were. It was what maybe <clears throat> right before she got with LA, there was conversation: is there a spot for her in this league? I mean, she was fighting for her job in terms of was she going to have a spot in the league? Was she going to have, you know, a, a spot on a roster? There were there were big question marks with that. Um, and I think what you're seeing now is, you know, a, a great competitor taking advantage of the opportunity at hand. LA has been hindered with a lot of injuries and circumstances all season on top of the rebuild. And Jordan Canada's grabbing the opportunity by the horns and has clearly done a lot of work on herself in the offseason. A lot of those things that we talked about in the past, oh, she's not going to stretch the floor. She's not going to be a perimeter threat. Before this season, the best she had ever shot in her six years in the WNBA was 21% from the three-point line. I mean, teams would literally sag off of her, you know, and want and want to play those percentages. Now this season, she's shooting a career bet. I mean, last year for, for LA, she shot 14% from the three-point line. Um, this season is shooting 36%. I mean, just groundbreaking numbers from perimeter shooting capabilities. And at this point of her career as well, by no means am I calling her old, but it, it is interesting to see this type of a jump, um, this type of, you know, just enhancement of an area that, that has been always pretty much considered a weakness, you know, I think across the board. So, I mean, for me, Jordan Canada is seizing this opportunity. I mean, you know, LA needs scoring. They need to have the ball in her hands. You know, they're, they're struggling this season. And, and, and honestly, it's not the worst thing in the world for the longevity of this, this franchise, in my personal opinion. But for Jordan Canada to go from where she was a couple years ago with a lot of uncertainty in her career to now is a focal point. of it, it, I mean, it's, it's Jordan Canada and NECA in terms of what they're doing offensively. And, and, and when teams are scheming against them, you're no longer, you know, having to use the, the scouting report of 2019. You've got to respect Canada from the perimeter. For, for me, she has got to be in the most improved conversation. And it's She's not making like, wild shots, Rachel. It's not yeah. even like it's sagged off wide open this, shots, like in this, contested. In this, in this, yeah, well, and her acrobatic shots in the lane, her body control and her ability to finish in traffic. And, and I think she's playing with a next level motor. I mean, she's always had an incredible motor, but like the hustle plays that she's making. And I mean, she's really laying it out on the floor night in and night out for this team. And it's, it's an absolute joy to watch. But, you know, we look at MIP sometimes and everybody's like, oh, man, look at this. The jumps they made from their rookie year to their second year. And wow, like this is someone who's been in the league for seven mm-hmm. years now. Has it really been that long? Six wow. Six years now. I'm sorry. I digress. Wow. Six years now and is making this type of jump. Uh, statistically and numbers wise and confidence wise on the floor, um, averaging the most points of her career, um, rebounding better in her career, putting up the best assist numbers, the most steals, second most steals during her career. I mean, the three point shooting numbers, that's to me the biggest glaring step, but yeah, I mean, Jordan Canada and and the, the season she's having deserves a lot of respect. And honestly, like hearing you talk about it, I feel like I didn't think about this before, but she's the type of player that I would love in a Kurt Miller system. So I'm glad to see it like this because he finds way, like 
we think about Kurt Miller, we think about JJ, Lisa Thomas, Bree Jones, you know, but you also think about the guards, like Natisha Heideman, a Jazz Thomas, like there's been a wide variety of guards that he's been able to, I don't know, we always talk about him as an elite floor raiser. I think he finds weaknesses in guards game. And he's very he's a very blunt person and uh, he finds ways to move past that and improve that. And look, I'm not trying to take away from the player to give props to the coach. But I think, um, you know what, when you're a player in a good position with a coach um, who is there and knows how to make people in your situation succeed, it's it's a win win for everyone and excited and happy to see Jordan Canada excelling like she is Um, another team that has kind of made some recent noise as it were is New York and and not because New York fell to some horrible spot and then bounced back, but it felt like for the first half of the season going into the all-star break, almost, you know, removing a couple games before the break, it was Stewie just carrying this New York team. Yeah. Sloot is feeding the ball left and right. Yeah. You know, uh, um, uh, Sabrina is going off on some random nights and gets a couple triple doubles. She's shooting like crazy from ridiculous clips. Um, but like, it's truly true. And ben- I should not ignore Benajelani and the role she has played on this team, the emotions, the scrappiness, um, the, the leadership, but it really, really felt like New York was just being carried by Stewie into the all-star break. And since the all-star break, we're finally seeing this, super team that everyone wants to talk about with JJ really stepping up, having like double doubles in the past X amount of games since all-star, but just, just going off and doing things that we expected and wanted to see from them. I still have my serious question is I don't think Sabrina and Sloot have the ability to pressure or stop Vegas enough to make it an interesting series. If I'm being honest, um, that's looking way, way down the road. But I'm curious for you, like, what have you seen? What do you like? What do you dislike? What concerns you? What uh, what excites you about New York uh, of this late run? I mean, definitely happy to see John Cole Jones hitting her stride. Just another element, you know, that we're kind of there were question marks up until All Star break of like what what is what, what's going on here? Um, it wasn't concerning, but you did always get the sense that this team was going to this team and some individuals on this team were going to kind of figure it out as time went on. There was going to be a natural progression of a gelling and a, you know, just coming together that, you know, you would hope that you would see. And I think we have seen that. I think the the progression of John Paul Jones to the course of this season, to the way she's playing right now is really encouraging. It makes me super excited to watch this team for the remainder of the season. Obviously you need Courtney Vandersloot healthy. Um, what's our timeline on that? <laughs> I think I think she's like she's no she was already back for one game. Okay, okay, okay. She's already been back. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, I, it was more of a rest thing. You have to forgive me. I, uh, you know, you know, running around, running all these grassroots events, and scouting Europe. I sometimes need to be reminded. But no, I mean, so being able to be at full strength now is is I want to be able to watch this team. You know, hopefully, what is it tonight uh, or or this week? You know, being able to see how they do against the Sparks. You know, how, how does this team look against a really good Minnesota Lynx team? You know that they want to get that game back on Friday. 
Um, but no, I mean, New York is exactly where, you know, you would, you would think that they would be They're They're in a good position. They're in striking distance. Have they played a hundred percent yet? No. Have they showed flashes? Yes. I just think it's encouraging that John Paul Jones is, is really coming along now. That's going to be a huge piece. You know, if this team is serious about being a contender and doing it this year, they're going to need her. She's, she has to play at the level that she's been playing at the last few games. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. Uh, something else that's been really interesting that has caught my attention, knows caught your attention is Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum, they say struggled uh, early in the season. And I'll say that, right? Like she wasn't right. She starts off crazy hot, 23 points in the first game, five rebounds, five assists, shooting 50% and 60 from the free throw line. But then goes on this streak where, you know, oh for three, three for nine, one for nine, oh for three, oh for six, one for four. And then, like, honestly, really, truly, until we hit uh, June 15th against Seattle again, so back to that first game matchup where she went off, we saw her struggling from three, which is something that we're not used to seeing. And it kind of looked like, from my perspective at least, that the shoulder surgery she had during the offseason was lingering and impacting uh, her shot just a little bit. And But what we've seen since then, since mid-June has just been, I mean, 60%, 57, 60, 60. Okay, yeah, we have one game against Indy where she goes two for nine and then New York one for five. But but besides that, I mean, we're talking about like 37. Honestly, we're talking about 50 plus from three in the majority, all but like a handful of games this season. Let me drop some numbers on you because I had to sit down the other night because there was never any concern in my mind with the the quote-unquote, you know, slower start from Plum this season. I mean, Rachel, it was. She had one good game and then... Concerned. Shoot. No, not con- not concerning, but, like, it was a slow start. Sure. She was not <laughs> shooting. She would tell you, you know. that herself, but, you know, yeah. like... But I also don't think a competitor like Kelsey Plum really allowed that to get into her psyche too much. She just knew, you know, it happens throughout the course of a player's career and, and shooting career. And when you've gone through surgeries, like, like just play it out, just play it out and keep your head in the right spot and, and your mentality in the right spot. First 10 games of the season, Pelham was averaging 15.4 points, shooting 42% from the field, shooting just 28% from the three point line. Those were the first two first 10 games of the season, the last 10 games of the season, right around that mark you're talking about 24 and a half points per game. That's that's literally nine points more than what she was averaging the first 10 games of the season. Wow. Shooting 57% from the floor, 43% from the three-point line. You know, th- those are just staggering numbers in terms of just how polar opposite kind of, you know, the beginning of this season was to where she's finding her rhythm and her groove and looking like the Kelsey Plum that, you know, we've we've really become spoiled with getting to watch the last couple of years and the confidence she's playing with. But I just thought that was really an interesting comparison between those two chunks of time um, and how drastic those numbers are. Yeah, no, I got to completely agree. It's, it's wild. And also I will say like for all our young ballers who are listening, look at her stats for those first 10 games. Yes. She's struggling to hit her shots. Look at her assists. Look at her rebounds. Look at her. Look at the other ways. Yeah. Look, yep. Like, look at the way she's impacting the game in other ways. If your shot's not dropping, there's other things you can do. Um, Okay, real quick, two final things. Well, I guess three final things. 
four, I guess. All right, I keep lying. It's 20 final things. No, <laughs> um, something I want to run down real quick is just some streaks. We got Vegas on a seven-game win streak. Uh, we got Indy on a four-game losing streak. Those are the biggest streaks in the league right now. Interesting, Mark, is while Vegas is undefeated at home, their road record of 11-2 and two is essentially tied with New York at 9-2. and two on the road connecticut's 10 and 3 on the road um just something interesting to kind of look at how teams do there phoenix versus... one of 12 on the road that's yeah i was gonna try and ignore that rachel but whatever oh. hey they're three and seven they're three and seven in the last 10 games um which is not as bad as los angeles or seattle or indiana, or indiana. yeah so you know there's there are some positives look you make a coaching change, they got a few dubs out of Nikki Blue. Um, for me, I know everyone's super interested. I've seen the betting lines change abundantly since I put down my ten dollars uh, for Indiana. Or sorry, Indiana. For if you put money down, Indiana win it all. You're winning a lot more than a thousand. Uh, Dallas Wings betting update. I'm feeling good. Yes, they dropped one to Vegas the other night, but I look at that and I said to people before the game, like. When I'm looking at Dallas, I'm looking at they're going to keep every game interesting. I don't no more blowouts this season in terms of losing. And when you're playing those top teams, I'm not necessarily worried about them winning or losing to New York or Vegas in the regular season anymore. I want to see that they're almost doing a live scout for the playoffs. That's what I want to see from this team. We know that there is such, in my opinion at least, a gap between Vegas, New York, Connecticut, and Dallas and the rest of the league. In my opinion, there's just a huge valley separating them. And so if I'm Dallas, obviously you're arguably the fourth best of those teams. I'm focusing the most on how do I beat those three other teams? Maybe I'm putting my vision on the wrong thing, but that's where my mindset is. We want to have, sorry. No, it's interesting to me that you put Dallas in that category, but you don't talk about the Atlanta Dream who have the same record. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have. And maybe it's because I put the money down. I'm more invested. Maybe it's because Dallas is the only team to beat New York right. uh, well, that, and Vegas. I, I I just think, and this isn't a knock to Atlanta, because I, I think Atlanta is kind of doing a similar process to what Dallas has done in terms of gro- like Atlanta's player. Atlanta's team is not built to win a championship right now. Right. Dallas, I think. If Atlanta, everyone's playing their best ball, I don't think the ceiling is a championship this season. I think Dallas, if they play their best ball, their ceiling is a championship. Do I think realistically that's going to happen? No. Do I think, you know what I mean? Like New York, Connecticut, Vegas, and Dallas are the only four teams that I think if they're playing their best ball can win a championship. I don't see any other team in this league winning a championship, even if they play their best ball this season. That's it. Um. And that's not even a knock to Atlanta. Very hyped on Atlanta. Rachel, should we do a little uh, little quick pick them? We're not going to do pick them. You're, you're still only down two. Um, we're not going to do pick them for today because this episode's coming out tomorrow. Okay, so we'll do so, Wednesday, Thursday, and let's do a couple from Friday. Okay, cool. So I'll let you go first. Um, all right. Dallas Wings at the Seattle Storm on Wednesday. Listen, Seattle's won a couple in a row. I don't think they're going to make that much more. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going Dallas on Wednesday. So yeah, I think we're both going right. Dallas on that one. Thursday, August 
third, Atlanta Dream at Phoenix Mercury. Well, we did talk about how Phoenix has been pretty good at home. A lot hinges on, is Griner expected to return? I would imagine so. Oh, man. Phoenix is one of those that's so hard for me because you just never know. If they're making shots, they can win anything. I'm, I'm going to th- throw a random wrench out there. I'm going to say Phoenix is going to win on Thursday. Wow. I'm, you know I'm going dream. Uh, I have to get aggressive I, I res- here. I gotta, I gotta, I'm two games back. I've got to be aggressive. I respect that. Um, okay, for Friday, I say let's pick two, unless you want to go all four. No, let's just do two of them. Okay, obviously Liberty Links with the Links going hot. Um, I don't see you New York wa- dropping it again to Minnesota. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I'll take I'll take Minnesota. You know I completely agree. But no, I'll be nice because look, I I want it to be a competitive. We can't agree on everything. Yeah, I mean, yes. If so. if if Minnesota is able to win that game on Friday, that's that's impressive. Now they are at home, and that's exciting. But I just I just don't see New York dropping two games to them that close. Which which of these other three games do you think is the most interesting or closest? I'm I'm keen to watch Mystic Spark <laughs> because hopefully we see some starters get back and the the giant skid that we've seen from the Mystics of recent kind of dies off, but yeah, I don't know. What what do you think between these three? I, Wings Sky could be fun too, but let's do the Sparks and Mystics one because there's so many question marks there. Um and literally, it's like a flip of a coin. Who knows how that game's going right. to look? Um, you pick. I pick. I pick the first one, and I'll go opposite you. Because honestly, I this, I don't know. This one's. This <laughs> might be one of the hardest pickups of the season. Right, I'm, um, I'm gonna go LA. I'm gonna go LA. Cool. All right, I'll go DC. I really wanted to go LA. I really wanted. To I go really LA. feel like this is gonna be a bad week for me with the picks that I just established. But whatever, I'm going with them. Look, I, I got this when the next time we do this, I'll be over in Europe and, and we can hopefully have I'll have a, I'll have a better time doing pick them from Barcelona. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Love to hear it. Um, Rachel, I forgot one last thing to ask you before we end this very long episode. Who's your goat? Gus. 